any way that you can create space for yourself to actually build that self-awareness and understand what is serving you and what isn't is going to lead you to the place of clarity of what is right for you. I guarantee it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our community. I am doing this now almost YouTube style. If you're listening, there won't be any differences. It'll be the same. But I do have now my YouTube camera connected and I'm trying out this new system where I do podcast at home with better video quality. So I did a poll on my YouTube channel and my Instagram and asked if you had liked me uploading my last podcast episode to my personal YouTube channel instead of the Dare to Self Care YouTube channel. And most of you on both platforms said, yes, you prefer it. Don't keep it separate. So I'm going to test it out. I would obviously love to just keep everything to my one personal channel, but I also don't want to confuse the algorithm. So we'll see. I'm going to I'm going to look into it. But regardless, I do just in terms of cutting back costs and also it's like cozier love recording podcast recording podcast episodes at home. So I do need to get a better system and setup for recording at home. I think for like the founders and people I'm not that comfortable with, I will still go to the studio space in New York City. But for like the girlies and my friends and Ethan and whoever that I'm having on my podcast most of the time, like, you know, I'm having like the TikTok girls that I'm friends with on my podcast. I have no problem inviting them over, recording it at home. I just haven't really trusted Honestly, like my proposal video and the episode with Mal, it took a lot of doctoring. I need a better system in terms of like having two mics recording in one room. But anyway, if you're new, every week we do in alignment and out of alignment for this week. And I encourage you to reflect on your weeks as well. So let's hop on into it. In alignment for me this week, I would say, is why there was not an episode last week, which was Mexico. I was in Mexico with Ethan's family, and we had an amazing time. I I wasn't nervous about it. Like, I'm very close with his family, but you never know. Going on a family vacation, what's going to go down? Is it actually going to be relaxing? I was nervous that it was going to be a lot of wedding talk. I don't know. I was just not expecting it to be, I guess, as relaxing as it was. And it was truly incredible. We had such an amazing time. We went to Tulum and it was so nice being able to also spend time with his sister, Sam, and her husband, Colin, because they are, they live in Colorado. So we rarely get to spend time with them. But when we do, it's always quality time, which is nice. But it was truly remarkable. And what I will say is, We took a lot of, we went to this hotel in Tulum and it was, we went to celebrate his mom's 60th birthday and we did so many classes. So it was one of those hotels where there's, you know, yoga and all these classes included. And I did Kundalini yoga, which as you know, I love, and it just like reinvigorated me to do even more of it at home. We did this meditation class. We did a Temescal which was one of, if not the coolest experience ever. It was me, Ethan, and his sister and her husband. The His mom and his stepdad were a little freaked out by like the claustrophobia of it all, which I honestly struggled with a little bit, so I fully understand. But I'm so happy I pushed through it because I kept saying to myself, like, feel the fear and do it anyway. So anyway, just to like wrap this up, What a Temescal is, is it's a very medicinal and spiritual practice. 
I believe it's from the Mayan culture. I honestly don't know all of the details, so I won't really speak to it, but it was technically like a sweat lodge. So you go into this almost like igloo-shaped tent, and there's around 14 of us, and they would bring in these stones that they would like rub. I don't exactly know what was going on. So like I'm not even going to attempt to speak to it, but everyone went around. There were four rounds and each round you went around and each person said what they wanted to let go of or what they wanted to bring in. And I said like I wanted to bring in more playfulness. I wanted to shed and get rid of feeling unsafe and just all of these really deep thoughts. And then they would bring in buckets of water and pour it on top of the fire and it would create steam. And they were rubbing grapefruit fruit, and all of these like medicinal, amazing aromas. And you were basically sitting there in a steam room listening to the mantras and the chants. And it was the most therapeutic experience of my life. Like they did not really instruct you other than saying, what do you want to let go of or whatever it was. But something about sitting there in a vulnerable space with all these people, sweating your ass off, smelling the aromas, listening to the mantras and the chants, you just went somewhere. And I was like rewiring pathways in my brain, rewiring past experiences and memories. And it was crazy. So if you ever have the chance to do it, just know when I first sat there, I was kind of freaking out a little bit, really had to use my breath work and my thoughts and everything to kind of stay there and not leave or get freaked out. But after about, I don't know, five minutes, eventually I was just adjusted to being in a dark space and loved every second of it. It was so fucking cool. So that's what's in alignment for me is just feeling more tapped into Kundalini and all the spiritual practices and feeling like that vacation was truly a vacation. And like, The spiritual and wellness aspect to it is something I really appreciate because you don't always get that on vacation. So out of alignment is probably going to be something out of alignment for me for the next, I don't know, two years. Wedding planning, I honestly have no interest in getting into it right now. And like I said, it'll probably come up a million more times. But I think what's worrisome is that really nothing's happened yet. And I, I don't and I shouldn't be anxious, but I am. I am just in those stages of like, we haven't even picked a venue yet. Some some people in the family say get a planner. Some are saying don't, you don't need a planner. Some are saying keep it small so you can have exactly what you want. And then some are like, do exactly what you want. But also I want to invite all these people. And it's like, well, if I want exactly what I want, then we need to cut the guest list because it's expensive. And it's just like, <gasps> and then my brain goes to like, should we elope? It's just like, <laughs> I don't do well. My biggest trigger in life which is a whole other episode, is family dynamics. So if someone is, I don't know, pushing an idea on me or maybe doing something that I know someone else in the family won't love, like that stuff just really triggers me. Aside from wedding planning, like that is my biggest anxiety. I have a lot of like family anxieties, familial anxieties, family trauma and things that just like I've, – I've, Spoken about this kind of in the episode with Jordana where it's like I kind of have been trained like subconsciously to not rock the boat. So when everything's revolving around me, it feels like anything I do might rock the boat and it's a lot for me. So it's going to be something I walk through in therapy because I don't think I want to like rob myself of the experience of having a wedding because I am someone who's thought about that my entire life. I am that like quintessential 
I think that's how you use that word, girl. But honestly, it makes me really want the like 60-person micro wedding. Like I would love that. There's not as much stress financially. It's intimate. You're not a burden on too many people. And yeah, but then it's like, okay, parents, none of you can have any friends there. And then it's a whole fucking thing. So things you really don't – I never understood why people say wedding planning is so tough. And I've always been like, no, I'm going to be chill, like – Remember what it's all about. Don't go overboard. Don't get upset about things you can't afford. And it's like, oh, it's like the family shit (laughs) and the budget. And like that is the tough part. And realizing how expensive things are. And it's just being the one to have to like relay the message. I'm not like I don't have like a helicopter parent who's like, I have a planner. I'll handle it. Like I'm very much independent and like almost I'm like relaying information to my parents, which is also hard for me because I'm like. This isn't, like, I wish it wasn't this much, but, like, this is how much things cost. So, anyway, that's something I'm dealing with. Luckily, my parents are, like, thrilled and happy to support me in helping me plan a wedding and throw me a wedding. So, I'm very fortunate in that. Uh, But, you know, the whole thing just, even if it went as smooth as possible, this stuff is just not for me. (laughs) Let's get into the meat of the episode. I was toying with a bunch of topics for this week's solo episode because I got a bunch of Q&A questions over the past week on Instagram and I was like should I do this one as a full solo or this one and then I just threw up a poll today and you all said do them all so we're just gonna go Q&A style here so let me refresh my Q&A I posted this five minutes ago and we have three so I'd say we're on track let's get started First question is, how do you even start with running? I'm interested but scared. Ha ha. <laughs> I love the ha ha. I can relate. I was very uninterested for the longest time, but I remember I got a ping of interest and it literally all started with me posting a TikTok saying, guys, I want to be a capable runner. I want to be able to like when I'm in Paris with my fiance, like I want to be able to go see the city on like an easy like three-mile run. I don't know. I just like wanted to feel capable. I think seeing and getting inspired by my fiance running marathons and everything and just cheering him on and being a part of it and handing him goose in the races, I just kind of, I don't know. I wanted to feel like I could go run with him. When we would like go upstate, he'd be like, okay, I'm going for a run. I'll be back. And I honestly really enjoyed that. I was like, great, this is my alone time. But I envied being able to just go for a run, not have to do a class and just like clear your head. So for me, it started with that interest as well. And I posted a TikTok saying like, I need people to do it with. Like, where are the run clubs for people who can't run? And a million girls commented and we started together with the Couch to 5K app. Therefore, my advice is start with the Couch to 5K app. It is really, I've heard so many friends or just people online saying, I got really interested in running. So I just like went out and did a couple miles and as fast as I could. And like, I'm never doing that again. It's the biggest thing I learned from the Nike Run Club app is you are not supposed to go. Running is not sprinting. Very different. Running is actually closer to jogging than sprinting. And you can run a lot longer distance than you realize if you just slow the fuck down at like conversational pace. Anyway, I digress. Where I would start is number one, Couch to 5K app. Number two, an accountability partner slash friend. I've done the Couch to 5K app in the past and I just kind of like got over it to be quite honest with you. But when I've done it with my sister or I did it with these girls that I met through TikTok, it just makes it a lot more fun. 
And I think running at first, before you like get it and it clicks, it can feel like really defeating, boring. Like I used to, my biggest thing was that it was boring. So doing the Couch to 5K app with people, whether it's like, even if it's a friend across the freaking country and you just text like, I'm up, are you going? Like anything in that realm, doing it with someone makes it a lot more fun. A big part of running I've realized is the community aspect. You think it's like an individual sport. It's really community community driven. So Couch to 5K app. Then once you've gotten past that and you're like, okay, I want to run like a mile straight. I want to start like going for runs. I want to whatever. Use the Nike Run Club app. The Couch to 5K app doesn't teach you anything. It's kind of just like a start and stop. Honestly, you can even just start with the Nike Run Club app. They also have a Couch to 5K program, I'm realizing. So you don't even need to do the Couch to 5K app unless you prefer that where it just kind of dings and tells you when to start and stop. Nike Run Club app is what actually got me to enjoy running because Coach Bennett, in your ears, their guided runs, he teaches you how to run. So you could do the Couch to 5K app, but once you do the Nike Run Club app, that's where I learned, oh, you're going way too fast. If you can't talk right now and your breath is out of control, you're going too fast. Tips like that. During the run, he'll literally, your coach will say in your ear on the Nike Run Club guided run apps, like, This is, let's check your posture. Let's check your breath. Your chin should lead your chest. Like I literally learned how to run through the Nike Run Club guided runs. And it is completely free. I have not paid a cent for this app. So I would do Nike Run Club, couch to 5K. And then when you're ready and you want to push it, again, accountability, pick a date that scares you. Listen to the episode with Grace Lee. That is the episode where she basically said, pick a date that scares you. And I did. And it pushed me to trained for my first half marathon. So I would listen to that one. I also have an episode with a run coach, Lizzie Pepper, but she, that episode's more for if you've already started running, I would say. She still has beginner tips, but Grace Lee for like fully, where do I start beginner? And then Lizzie Pepper, when you're like, where do I start with training for a race is also a great one. So those episodes, Nike Run Club, do the guided runs, do the plans on there. It's fully free and find an accountability partner. That is where I would say to start. And lastly, the thing that I find most helpful is something I learned all on my own, which is remember that the hardest part of everyone's run, marathon runners, athletes, everyone's run, is the first one to two miles. So if you're reflecting on your one to two mile runs and saying, I can't run, I suck at it, just know it actually gets easier because your body on the longer run starts to adjust and says, oh, we're doing this. And eventually it kind of your legs go on autopilot for the longer run. So they seem intimidating, but I find them actually easier than the one to three mile runs because you don't, your body doesn't really have a chance to like adjust or get used to your breath or anything. So don't judge yourself based on your one to three mile runs. If you keep up with the training plans, you will get better. It's guaranteed, literally guaranteed because I could not even run a mile and I hated running. All right, next question, job alignment. How to find it, how to know what job is right for you, ready to go back to nine to five. So let's start with how to find job alignment and how to know what job is right for you. Follow your interests, but also don't hold yourself to like, I need to be 100% passionate and obsessed with everything in this job description. So what I mean by that is like when you first get out of college or whatever, I'm assuming you're in your 20s, follow your interests So don't do something that's totally like boring to you and you would never be interested in it. 
find something that you're relatively interested in. Do that for a year, two years, whatever. Every time you switch jobs, every single time, before you make the pivot, before you decide where you're going to apply next, before you accept another offer, I always, whenever I get the ping of like, this is not it, I will constantly journal on what I like about this job and what I don't like about this job, what I like about the lifestyle that comes with this job and what I don't like about it, what gives me energy from this job and what doesn't. And it could literally be what gives me energy is like the people that I work with and then everything else drains your energy. Or it could be, I love, you know, working on Excel spreadsheets, but I hate what I'm doing in Excel spreadsheets. Like my boss drains me, but I love what I'm doing. Because from there, that's a great example. Let's use that example. Like my boss is the worst, but I love my job and what I'm doing, but I can't stay here because I like... You're wanting to leave because of your boss. Maybe you didn't realize that, but when you make the list, like everything of the job you actually love and it's actually a conflict with the person managing you, that's the issue, then you can at least sit back and be like, okay, I need to talk to HR or I need to have a conversation with my boss or whatever those steps are. Because sometimes I feel like we're so blinded by the fact that like work is work and we just hate it and we think that there's something out there that maybe will make us like so happy, but really it's like the people or the culture or whatever that maybe you can figure out a better way. Anyway, you are going to learn at every job what you do like and what you don't like. And no job is a waste of time. So if you're absolutely miserable or you're in an entirely different field, just know, don't use that limiting belief of like, oh, I have no experience in X, so I'm never gonna apply. I'm never gonna be able to go to that industry. I'm gonna have to start from the beginning. That's not true. I have had many instances where I land an interview that I feel so unqualified for and I say, no, there's a reason that you decided to just apply and say, fuck it, always apply. If you get an interview, that means they see value in your resume and you need to sell the shit out of yourself. I've spoken to so many people that have such limiting beliefs and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to say in this interview. I have nothing to offer. I'm in an entirely different field. Take my boss, Lauren Bostick, for example. She could list 20 things she learned from bartending and sell you on it to be a fucking CEO. For example, for me, none of my back, all of my backgrounds in PR. I quit my PR job. I ended up freelancing and doing a bunch of different things. I worked mainly at the front desk at Rumble. I was doing my own content creation. I was freelancing, consulting, doing all this different stuff, right? I could have said, oh my God, no job is going to want to hire me. I've been working at a front desk for a year. No. How about... I've spent a year learning and educating and honing in on the skill of videography. I was the right-hand woman to Shelby Church, who is an OG YouTuber with over a million subscribers, learning everything from thumbnail to cinematography to shooting to editing to strategy to absolutely everything under the sun. I have done strategy consultations with X number of brands and 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 guided this brand to grow their TikTok to 20,000 followers from scratch. Like I could have had the limiting belief of, oh my God, I've been working at a front desk for a year. But instead I looked at, you got to look at yourself and your resume and everything you've done in the last year from an abundance mindset. So write down every little possible thing that you could measure or even say that you taught yourself outside of work. So that's another thing. If you feel like your job is not for you and you're in the entirely wrong industry and you feel unqualified for the other industry that you want to be in, learn it while you're at this job that you don't want. So do the job you hate and then on the side or an hour a day or whatever it is, learn. We'll keep using videography as an example. 
go on Skillshare, go on YouTube University, go outside and film stuff with your boyfriend and just learn this skill so that you can leave and be like, I have this whole portfolio of videos that I made. You can have a portfolio of work you've done for yourself. It doesn't even have to be client work, but how to find the job that's right for you. Take stock of what you do and don't like at each job. And I promise that journaling practice will guide you somewhere. Also a meditation practice, kundalini, any way that you can create space for yourself to actually build that self-awareness and understand what is serving you and what isn't is going to lead you to the place of clarity of what is right for you. I guarantee it. Anyone who feels like I have no fucking idea what I want to do with my life, I have literally zero clue, I can almost guarantee there's someone that never creates space for themselves to actually sit down and almost workshop it or like clear the space through meditation or something like that. So I hope that helped. And then you also said ready to go back to nine to five. Okay, you said you're ready to go back to nine to five. So I assume that you're in a situation like I was where you are freelancing and stuff. It's not cutting it and you need a full-time job, but you're not clear on what job is right for you. So again, take stock on what you've been doing, the past jobs you've liked and not liked. And like for me, I realized if I can be creative in a full-time job, I'll be so much happier. Like I felt like if I could work somewhere in a full-time job where I would admire and idolize the people who are above me, then my everyday energy wouldn't feel like a waste. So I went instead of to another PR job that I could have gotten in a minute from all my agency past gigs, I decided when I was going back into a full-time job, I'm going to sell myself on all the things I just listed to you that I did within the year to somewhere where I can produce videos or just work for someone that I feel like I'm gaining as much value as I'm giving and it's not a waste of my energy. So I'm learning so much from working for podcasters, Lauren and Michael, and I'm getting the benefits and perks of a full-time job as well. So there is an ideal situation for you, but also know work is work and there's always going to be shit that you don't like. Next up, listening to your gut and intuition. A big part of this is making the space. I think when you're constantly on a hamster wheel and like, girl, we know I have 10,000 jobs. I'm on literally a hamster wheel at all times. But if I didn't create the space for myself to meditate even five days, five days, five minutes a morning or cook without any, you know, screens in my face or go for a walk or just anything that creates space. Watching TV isn't creating space. That's something I do to just like fucking unplug and not think at all. Watch Love Island. When I say create space and I think there's such value in that, like I'm big on I don't want to think about anything. I just want to watch my reality TV, my bachelor, hang out with friends, distract myself. I think that is so important. But what I'm talking about with strengthening your intuition and understanding what is fear-based and what is intuition, we could use the example before. Like, let's say you hate your boss and so you're, you don't know if it's like your fear saying, leave, get out of here, or if it's your intuition saying, you should go, get out of here. So I've asked this question a lot to a lot of like spiritual practitioners on this podcast and really what it comes down to is strengthening your intuition and getting to a place where you're comfortable deciphering what it is your intuition and what's not and how you do that I feel like I'm talking in circles is creating the space here are some ways you can create space if meditation's not your thing one I would challenge you I don't fuck with like headspace or any of those either the ones that like people think is meditation like the only way to meditate five minutes sit there in silence and like just like do nothing I don't really love that 
I personally like Kundalini because the breath work makes me feel like I'm physically literally removing anxiety from my body. Like I, when I do my Kundalini breath work or any breath work, Wim Hof breath work, anything that involves my breath, I feel like I'm literally shedding all of the stress and my hands get like buzzy. Like I feel literally high. And so it makes me feel like I've just shed a bunch of shit off of my body. That's how I like it. But the point is there's so many different types of meditation. There's visualization, manifesting your future. That can be really helpful because when you do a guided manifestation, visualization, which you can literally just YouTube search it, find a guided visualization meditation for manifestation and you will be surprised what comes up. This actually goes back to the question earlier about what job you want. When you create that space to have someone in your ears and to just breathe and close your eyes and have someone guide you to your dream life and what you want to manifest, you'll be surprised what comes up. And don't freak out if the first time you do it, you're overthinking it and stressed and can't think of the right thing. Like I've been there. That's very normal. I don't want you to like try it and feel anxious and be like, I don't know what my dream life is. I'm not, I'm even more fucked up than I thought. It's very normal. But if you continue to do them, you'll be surprised. Some days you'll just be more relaxed and you'll be surprised with what you come up with. And it's just, again, creating that space to actually sit with yourself and think and visualize the possibilities in your life. Like we only know the possibilities that have been presented to us, right? So we only know you know, I grew, you grew up in a really strict home where you can only become a lawyer or a doctor. And it's like, you only know those two paths. You only know the path where you get married and have a kid. You only know these strict paths. But what I've learned through meditation and like my kind of spiritual journey, I'm not super spiritual, but just like through listening to practitioners and reading and whatever. And honestly, through meditations and Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations is there are an infinite amount of possibilities in this world that we just don't even give ourselves the opportunity to like imagine. So that's what those visualization meditations can do. And I can guarantee it'll just create a lot of clarity. And in turn, creating that space to meditate and have space and get to know yourself better. That's what strengthens your intuition. You really got to get to know yourself. I think a lot of us are just like, I used to be just running on anxiety at all times. And then I realized through having workout classes where I'm off my phone and going for walks and journaling, even doing the five-minute journal and doing these meditations, like you really get to know yourself and that's when you can trust your gut. That was a long-winded answer. I feel like sometimes I have to like take the journey to get there. And then in the last minute of my answer, I'm like that, that's the line. <laughs> Someone asked how I make big decisions. And this is something I'm really passionate about because I've obviously made some really big decisions in my life, mainly in career. I've also had to make big decisions when it comes to like telling my parents that my sister's using again and things like that. Like I feel like I've been faced with, as we all have, big decisions. At that age, I didn't really have a protocol, but if I was going through that now, this is what I would do. And this is what I do really anytime I thought to like go back to a full-time job or thought to leave a full-time job. Number one, I will say my intuition is really pretty strong because of all the practices I do. Like when I have a gut feeling, I just know. And I kind of let the whisper like fester for a while. And then eventually I just know like, okay, it's time to pull the trigger. Like I could be thinking about going freelance for months and months and months. And then all of a sudden it's like, I've been planting seeds, planting seeds, kind of listening to myself a little bit, trying to ride it out. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, I know what I got to do. So that's through all those practices. So here are some practices that I would suggest and that I do when I have big decisions coming up. And that would be 
Number one is like a day of no plans. Again, clearing space, making space for just you. I think a lot of us fall victim to, and it's also great, asking around all of your friends, everyone whose opinion you value. I think that's great. Like, I'm not saying don't do that. I 100%. Actually, I don't really do that when it comes to this stuff. I'll get a pulse check. I'll be like, this is what I'm thinking about. But it's more for I want support. When someone questions my decision that I already know I'm going to make, it kind of like, it's like not helpful. (laughs) So I'm not really someone who asks like, should I do this? Should I do that? It's more so like I will let people know where I am in the decision process and get their take, but never place your decisions in the hands of others. So you can get your friend's takes, but make sure that you're not taking what they say as like the end all be all. So make a day of no plans. And what I like to do is do a whole self-care day. Wake up and work out. Do my kundalini, which is like I would do a long one if I had a big decision to make and I had a full self-care Sunday or something. I would work out. I would do a long kundalini because that really just things come up. Even going for a long walk or a run, things come up. When you like move your energy around and create that space to not be like texting or distracting yourself with a TV show, like things come up. Even an inspiring podcast on the topic of the decision you have to make could provide some clarity too. I remember when I was thinking about leaving my full-time job, I binged Kathy Heller, I think that's her name, uh, something about don't quit your day job or something, don't quit your day, something like that. So like I just binged all the content to get clarity and I would do anything that just made me feel good and most myself. So literally journal on like what makes me feel good and most myself and just do that all day. Have journaling time, journal on what it is you would like to see in your future. Do that visualization meditation, like any of these things, create half a day or a full Sunday to yourself to actually do it. Lay in the bath with meditation music and just kind of like talk out loud. Like there's so many different ways you can do it to tease through where you're at and just see what comes up. I promise you if you do that and create the space, clarity will come up. To be honest with you, I feel like those two answers were the same. So I apologize, but I just think it's like that same theme, right? So hopefully this, if anything, creates some clarity for you if you're someone who like never wanted to meditate or it doesn't have to be meditation. I, I even call meditation like... Like I said, being in the bath with like some music on, that could be your meditation. Just anything where you're not distracted by noise, outside noise. You don't have to just sit there in silence. There could be music, guided meditation. It could be boxing, like whatever it is for you. Something that shakes the energy out, moves the energy and just don't just like sit there and like force things to come up, like relax. Oh, another question came in. SIBO and wedding planning logistics of early phases and venue choosing. SIBO is a very uh, vague question, but we'll start there. I'm assuming you mean how I healed my SIBO because I just put that in one one of the polls for a solo episode. I really think this needs to be a solo episode. I think it needs to be a solo YouTube video, all of it. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes, but a deep dive is so necessary for this. Cliff Notes is I was going to a bunch of GI doctors. They basically are only trained to really like test you for Crohn's, colitis, like all of the aggressive cancers, like all of that kind of stuff. So I did like an endoscopy, all of that. And then they end up telling you you have IBS, which through all the experts I've had on this podcast, some episodes to plug are Sarah King. She's been on twice. The first one was more IBS focused. Morgan Tedeschi, The Smiling Gut, was on here talking about it. 
Good Gut Feelings was on here talking about SIBO. Oh, Nutruvi Wellness was on here. She was amazing. We've had a ton of episodes on this, but what they've literally all said is that IBS is what the GI doctors call it when they test you for everything and you're negative. So IBS is literally just like, oh, you don't have anything serious. Like you have stomach issues. It's literally just code for stomach problems. It's not like an actual illness that you're dealing with. With that being said, my next step would be, I wish I did it sooner, going to a functional medicine doctor. I went to Parsley Health where she did a stool test and basically was... First, we did a breath test for SIBO, tested positive, tried the antibiotic. It didn't work. I have heard that two rounds of it works. So I could have done a second round, but how it was explained to me was if you just do antibiotic, like it'll just come back. So I did it and like, I guess I would do it again, but I was really sold on like the idea of functional medicine where you're healing the root cause. Instead of taking antibiotic, which is what caused my SIBO in the first place, was I was put on antibiotics like a million times for strep throat before I got my tonsils out. Ever since then, my stomach was fucked up. So instead of feeding myself more antibiotics to fix it, what made more sense to me was trying the holistic route, functional medicine. It sounds woo-woo. It's not. It's fully medicinal and scientific and all of the things. But she did a stool test, was able to see exactly which bacterias were overgrowing and all of that stuff. So I have an Ackermansia undergrowth and a Candida overgrowth. So I was treated for that with things like oregano oil, just like a shit ton of supplements. And after three months of the supplements, I didn't feel that much better, did a second round and it worked. So takeaway here is definitely do two rounds of whatever your protocol is, but Another takeaway is if you've tried Zyfaxin and it comes back or it doesn't work, try it twice. Definitely splurge on the functional medicine. I couldn't recommend it more. I have people who have said they've tried it and it didn't work. So it's really, it's all a fucking crapshoot, but I would try it. Find the right functional medicine doctor for you. I think I have $150 off Parsley Health. So DM me for that. But yeah. And then your next question was wedding planning, logistics, early phases, venue choosing. Girl, I honestly, I'm like trying to be a bridal influencer to like maybe get some brand deals. And I probably will once I like lock in the venue and shit. But let me tell you, I have no interest in talking about this right now. (laughs) I just was, we were set on this upstate wedding. And then you realize you're planning a whole weekend and it's technically like a destination wedding. And then you realize if you just did like a ballroom near your house, it'd be way cheaper, but I don't want to do a ballroom near my house. So we're kind of at this place where Ethan and I would prefer to have the wedding we want at a very cut guest list. Like we would be happy with 60 people, no joke, dead serious. But then there's the families and they want to celebrate with their friends and all the things. So we're trying to make it 150. That's not going over so well either, but we'll see what happens. But I did have a call with a wedding planner today. I'm taking all the free advice on consultations. I think that's a big one. Even if you don't want to hire a planner or can't afford it, like take all of the free advice. These people are staying with me on the phone for like an hour, giving me venue suggestions. Like it's so helpful. I think I need a planner because I, my brain is mush. I don't really want to rely on a parent to help me as my planner because that just screams conflict. I just don't want to do that. Everyone who's had a planner has said it was worth it. I've never had someone say to me, I didn't have a plan. I mean, I had a planner and regret it. So for me, I've been taking calls and realizing that like I I wanted to do like a partial planning where it's closer to the day of, but I need help on this venue search because I need to know I'm looking at upstate. I'm looking at Hamptons. I'm looking at Long Island. I'm, I'm looking everywhere. And it's like, 
I don't fucking know what I'm doing. So I need someone to take my budget and my guest count and my priorities and say, here are the places that actually make sense. Because the last thing I want to do is book a place and then I take, you know, my venue and my budget to a planner in a year and they're like, you can't do this. So I want to just do the whole shebang. I have two years to pay it off. All of them do installment plans. So my plan logistically is I'm going to be paying for my own sanity. I'm paying for the wedding planner out of my own pocket outside of the wedding budget. And I'll do a four, you know, install four time installment plan and paying out of my savings. And then, and like, hopefully your girl grows her income in the next year and a half. That's the perk of it being end of next year. The reason we're doing end of next year is because I don't want to rush it within the year. And then my brother and my parents asked me not to. And my brother's wedding is spring 2025. So we're doing fall, which is fine with me because fall is our season. And I love fall. I wanted a fall wedding anyway. But the idea of having this looming anxiety of wedding planning dragged on for two years is like not ideal, to be honest with you. So we're just figuring it out. I think once I book and maybe magically manifest a bigger budget, I'll be more excited. <laughs> but that's really the logistics of venue shopping right now is Ethan and I are going to go upstate in two weeks and I'm hating doing it by myself. So I'm planning on investing in a planner in the next like three weeks and having them break down the venues for me, give me five to look at and like call it a day. So those are the logistics. On to the next question. The last question was about my half marathon training plan and I have Lizzie Pepper who was on this podcast and gave away a free coaching to one of you already. She's actually also doing the same for me. She's coaching me for three months and she, this is something that I'm definitely going to like make a TikTok on, a YouTube video on about my experience coaching with someone for three months. She has basically curated a training plan for me. So if you're new and you're doing your first half marathon, do the Nike Run Club app. It was amazing. For this one, I have a goal of a pace I want to do under two hours. Hopefully, we'll see. And I want to, I just like want to get to the next level. I want to, I need assistance with like when do I want to start incorporating goose. I didn't even have goose at the half marathon. Like I just want to take it to the next level and have it be more individualized and personalized with my lifestyle. I want to have my workout classes thrown in. So she has this platform where she basically has a whole training plan for me and it's like a calendar. I'll do a whole, it's actually in my YouTube video. I showcase it a bit in my YouTube video of how I am prepping for a half marathon, which I believe will be out Wednesday or Thursday. So after this episode, so lots of half marathon content to come, but I'm on week one to get a glimpse into my week today. I'm, I did a four mile recovery run at a conversational pace. Tomorrow I will do a speed workout the next day I will do yoga and then Thursday I will do another recovery run. Friday I'll do like a workout class. Saturday long run, Sunday rest day, something like that. So anyway, videos to come on that. But thank you all for your questions. If you have any more questions, if you want me to do more of these Q&As, anything like that, DM me. Let me know. Give this video a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Comment, subscribe all of the things, and I will definitely do another one of these because I absolutely love them. Love you.